this morning I squinted my eyes tightly shut. and I turned to our Father who art in heaven. And I said, how do I wake up? How do I find salvation? What is the key to coming alive? And God said, be as pleased as punch. <laughs> That's the whole answer. But of course, as we know, there are two parts to our mind at this point. There is the ego, or fear, and there's love, or the presence of God. And the ego, as we've said before, sort of splits itself into two personalities. One could be called the lower ego, and the other could be called the higher ego. They're all the same, but they, they take different stances. So for almost everyone in this room, we're now dealing with what could be called the higher ego. I'll just call it Edgar. <laughs> we'll call the lower ego uh, Erst for erstwhile. <laughs> now, this is what Edgar does, the higher ego, with all of us who are on a spiritual path. <laughs> Hmm, pleased as punch. Uh, is the punch spiked? Uh, or uh, does this refer to uh, Punch and Judy? What was Punch and Judy? Was that a uh, cartoon in the London Times? Hmm, maybe I should go to the library and look that up. This should be looked into. I wonder what pleased as punch means. What do I do? Am I supposed to smile at everyone who walks down the sidewalk? That's Edgar, you see. God says, the truth is true. Let it rest upon you like a cape of light. There's nothing to do about the truth. Even this world cannot reflect the truth. Because there is no world. There's only the presence of God. That's all there is. Our mind can reflect the truth. And we can see the truth all around us. But it will not be this world that's reflecting it. So as we read A Course in Miracles or any other statement of truth. There's nothing to do about the sentences. We don't have to ask ourselves, what do they mean? We have heard them. We have received them. They have taken us one step forward. Here is one, set, one such sentence from A Course in Miracles. Let me ask you to put this in the form of a little meditation. So... Just become relaxed, and if you have something in your lap, you might want to take it out. I'm just going to stay, say this truth, and just let it cover you. Realize that there's nothing you have to do about this sentence. It's actually three sentences. 
just close your eyes and I'll say these. Just, just feel the warmth of this truth. Here are the three sentences. The truth is true. Nothing else matters. Nothing beside the truth is there. The truth is true. Nothing else matters. Nothing beside the truth is there. Okay. Open your eyes if you like. Now, so that's how simple it is. And as those of you who read the paper, this, whenever whenever this is put in, our, our discussion this morning will be about simplicity. The truth is true. There's nothing to do about it. The truth can be entered, but it cannot be applied. And all the misery that we now are experiencing, because... The people in this room aren't going out and raping and mugging and embezzling and assaulting. I said, well, there's a few people in the back row. <laughs> so what's the, why is there so much misery? It's because we're trying to apply the truth. The truth cannot be applied. It can only be leaned back into like you always do if you have a glass of Lipton's tea. You know, you just fall back into the swimming pool. That's the only thing you can do with the truth. The truth is like a, a huge, magnificent boulder that will never move. It's just there. There's nothing to do about it except to enter it. And the way we enter it is simply by not trying to be anywhere else but in the truth. So the truth already surrounds us. It, it's wrapped. It's loving hands all around us. It's filled us with this golden light. We are in fact the truth. And all we have to do is not focus on anything else but the truth. And our experience will be an even, an even deeper sinking into it, an even greater peace. I think I made some notes. I did. I made some notes. <laughs> this is a first at the dispensable church. We'll be sure and throw these notes away afterwards. I made some notes of some ways that we make life difficult. We talked about a few of them last time. These are a few more that I thought of. The truth is so simple. We need do nothing. Now that's a statement that appears more than once in A Course in Miracles. You need do nothing. That doesn't say do nothing. It says you need do nothing. There's there's nothing you need to do. So, there, so we, there's nothing to yearn for. 
in this world. There's nothing to attack in this world. The world has, in fact, forgiven us because it's not even there. So it's all it can do is forgive just means to let go. So the world has let go of us. The world doesn't have a grip upon us. And it seems very much as if it does. It seems that this world has a grip on our mind and that we're going to have to do something to loosen its grip. That's not true. The world is in our mind only when we think about it, only when we focus our mind on it. So to be in the kingdom of heaven is merely to lose interest and yearning for the future and yearning for one more baby, one more car, one more house, one more spouse, one more job. <laughs> now, here steps in Edgar. Edgar says, ah, I'm not supposed to yearn for a car. So, this means I should let my present car run down and down and down until it's a hazard to my children and to everyone on the road and it falls apart. No, doesn't mean that at all. The ego thinks that when truth states that there's nothing to do, that we're supposed to become physically inactive. But it doesn't mean that at all. It means that we just move effortlessly through the day. We just do the things that we do. So our body becomes like a dog that's on a leash. Or a dog that you take for a walk. And you put him on a leash, leash only if he kind of likes that security. And if he stays behind you and keeps up with you and everything and knows enough not to run out into the street when the cars are coming, then you just take your walk and you look around at all of God's beauty. And your body, your dog who's going with you on this walk, it runs all over the place. And it sniffs things that you would never sniff. <laughs> now, the only thing that's going to disturb your lovely walk is if you turn around and get all caught up in this and try to make it stop doing that. But that doesn't mean that if your dog thinks that it's much bigger than it is, as one of our dogs does, and it starts challenging another dog that's going to have it for breakfast, it doesn't mean that you don't walk over and gently call it to you and go on. But that's all you need to do. You don't have to think about why this happened or anything else. So this is what can become of life. And that is we simply do whatever we need to do in order to keep our mind on God. So let me run through just a few things that 
that I find that we get caught up in from time to time. Now, please notice as I go through these things that Edgar will try to make a behavior out of every single thing that I'm saying. Just notice that there's a little part of my mind and your mind that will try to immediately transform this into a way of acting, a way of behaving. And there will be another part of your mind that says, no, all that's really being said is that the truth is so simple that it's just obvious you don't even have to think about it. If you're sitting on a cuckle burr, all you do is get up and pull the cuckle burr out. That's all. I mean, it's that simple. That's how simple life is. Now, just as our body can be just like this pet dog that we just watch and make sure it doesn't get in trouble, but let it go anywhere it wants to go while we bask in God's sunlight. So your spouse, your companion, whoever it is that you may be living with, can be looked upon as a pet monkey. <laughs> we, we haven't talked about the spouse as a monkey, have we? <laughs> there are actually people who own pet monkeys, and they love them dearly. I don't know if you've ever visited the house of someone who has a pet monkey. It tears all the curtains to ribbons. It can't be potty trained. So either it has to do what it needs to do everywhere, or it has to wear diapers. Uh, most of them are, are nocturnal, and they make loud screeching noises all through the night. <laughs> and these people just love them. <laughs> now, why do they love them? It's for the simple reason that they have forgiven the monkey its behavior. They just say, oh, well, that's just the monkey. <laughs> but it has so it, you see that cute little smile it has and it's got this little dimple right here and and uh, watch the way it eats a banana and it'll throw, you know, they'll throw a banana to it you just watch this everybody watches and <laughs> or as we said before your spouse can be looked upon as a, a lovely vase of flowers that someone's given you you don't ask, where did you get those? Whose flower bed have they been in? <laughs> Why aren't you petunias? All my friends have petunias. You gave me daisies. Daisies are cheap, cheap, cheap. <laughs> We don't do that with a vase of flowers. We say, oh, gosh, isn't this nice? We just look at them. And we enjoy them. We don't ask about the future, how long they're going to be there. And we can enjoy the flowers. Why? Because we've forgiven them their past and their future. It's not even a consideration. Now, I can promise you, if there are people on this planet who can enjoy a pet monkey... <laughs> You can enjoy your spouse. 
So, there goes marriage. We got that one checked off. <laughs> <clears throat> Troublesome foods. <laughs> so, uh, you turn 32, and you find that now when you drink a cup of coffee, you can't go to sleep for about three hours. Now, if you were to just fall back into this lake of golden light that's already there, you might get an answer such as, how about not drinking coffee before you go to bed? <laughs> but here's what Edgar will do, the higher he go. Ah, because Edgar believes that there is such a thing as spiritual food the question is, where do you buy spiritual food? Is the place spiritual that's selling it? Are they selling unspiritual food at the same time? And should you, should you patronize such a place? How do you determine what spiritual food is? And how do you prepare it? Is there a spiritual way to prepare it? Do you indeed use Tupperware? Spiritual food? So Edgar will say, about the coffee. Hmm. Coffee has a stimulant. It must be the stimulant. You see, Edgar always analyzes. Edgar always wants to take every issue and prolong it until it covers your entire life. Must be a stimulant. Stimulants are bad. They're not spiritual. Uh, tea. Ah, tea has a stimulant. We'll stop drinking tea also. Now, tea doesn't keep you awake, but it has a stimulant. Out goes tea. Chocolate. Chocolate has a stimulant. Chocolate doesn't keep you awake, but it has a stimulant. Out goes chocolate. Sugar. All the laxative ads say on television that sugar is a stimulant. Because they want to sell you the laxative that has no sugar. Out goes all the sugar. Ah, honey. Honey is very highly refined by those little furry creatures. <laughs> Out goes honey. Fruit. Ah, fruit contains a lot of sugar. <laughs> Out goes fruit. Porno movies. <laughs> Unquestionably a stimulant. <laughs> And pretty soon, there is no part of your life that's not affected by this simple thing, simple decision. If I drink the coffee, I'll be awake for two hours. I can either drink the coffee or not drink the coffee. It can be that simple. Let's take diet. You can all see my position on diet. <laughs> Now, always, as I say, Edgar is looking for some rule because Edgar, the higher ego, thinks that this world is logical, that there's actually something reasonable about this world, that there is a discernible system here, that there is a way that things actually work in this world. 
That's not true. This world is pure, unadulterated chaos. It does not work, and every time we think we have found some system that will make the world work, it inevitably dissolves in our hand. We've all had that experience. Every single one of you have run through four, five, six, seven, ten of these systems that didn't work. Suddenly something happened, and you realize the system was no good. So Edgar says, that's right, get another one. The fact is, this world cannot be made to work. The world of fear. So, Edgar says, you must take a stand on this question of diet. You either must make the decision to never diet, or you must get a diet and stick to it. Even though you've just been invited over to your dear grandmother's house and she has fixed this lovely meal and now she has to go crying out of the room because you're not going to eat it because the diet must be stuck to. This is a principle now. Now, God says, be happy now. There is no future. There is no past. You have no place to go. You have come from no place. You are in my arms now. <clears throat> Make yourself happy. So possibly an idea such as this would come into your mind. It's possible. Maybe you would look at something, say a scale. And here it is. Here's this. Go back to the, the dog who's your body now you can do one of two things about the dog you can either feed the dog the amount of food that you need to so that it will be attractive when people come over you see. Maybe, it's, maybe you could even register this dog And it's such a shame that it's looking like this. But you notice you only think that when someone comes to the house. Otherwise, you just love this dog and you don't particularly pay much attention to it. So you see, well, I have a choice here. I can either give it what it would like. Once again, as we've talked about before, you don't have to go out and get every single thing in the world and make it sick. It's not that you need to indulge it and try to somehow think that you can make the dog happy by feeding it, but if it is wants something, maybe you could give it something. So, happy dog, attractive dog. That's, that's very simple. Happy dog, attractive dog. Happy body, attractive body. Very simple. Now, the ego says, now a great big deal has got to be made out of this. It doesn't, because some days we feel like having an attractive body. And so we diet. Other days, we want a happy body. We don't care about being attractive. And so we don't die. Now this drives Edgar up the wall. You're not sticking to a rule. But what you are doing is, you're letting this world be. You're just letting everything be the way it is without constant tampering. So, if you find one day that you would like to diet, you diet. If in the middle of the afternoon you realize you don't want to diet anymore, 
then you don't diet anymore. It's that simple. Why? Because you do not want to be preoccupied with the body any, any more than you are with the pet monkey. You don't want to be preoccupied with it. So you just simply do whatever you need to do to let the whole thing be in peace. There goes troublesome foods and diet. Aren't you glad you came today? Now here's another one. It's very prevalent for people on a spiritual path. And that is feelings. So we know the we, we, we know the feeling that often comes when we have the peace of God. It's, it's like this liquid gold that's just covered everything. This deep serenity and this certainty about how it's all going to turn out. We literally have not a care in the world. It's a, it's a lovely feeling. But the ego has noticed the feeling part of it thinks that the sensations in the body are the peace of God. So it will then try to create one more battlefield, which is what the ego is always trying to do, to have some issue, to have our mind engaged in some issue. So that even if there isn't an issue that it can attach to that surrounds us, it will have hypothetical issues in the future where hypothetical people or even real friends we imagine them sliding us. We imagine them not inviting us to this party. or We, invite, we imagine them saying something to us. And Edgar says, this is perfectly all right because they're capable of that kind of behavior. And so we, in this fantasy, we're, we're, we're invent, if we can't have a problem, the ego can't have a problem, it will go to the future or it'll go to the past and it'll drag up something that happened once before. It'll go over and over that. It's got to have a problem. If there is no problem... The ego stops functioning, functioning instantly. So if you want to know how to lay aside your ego, don't have any problems. <laughs> don't have any issues. Don't have any decisions. Don't make any decisions. Did you know you can go through the day and not make a single decision? And you will not suddenly stop like a pillar of salt and never move again? We don't need to make decisions, but once we think that there are decisions to be made, that there is actually right and wrong behavior in this world, then the day is consumed like a cancer with decisions so that our mind is going from one decision to another, issue after issue after issue. And one of the first things that happens on, as we get closer and closer to the light of God, which is within us, is we begin to realize what Edgar is up to. That he looks at everything. Now see, immediately I've become sexist. I heard a certain Edgar say, you're being sexist. You can call the higher ego he. <laughs> <laughs> see, issue. Issue. Should I say he, she? Make it Edgarette or something. <laughs> <laughs> You'll begin to notice this very thing, how absurd it is that an issue has to be made of anything. It's so simple. Look, see how simple it is. 
fall back into the peace of God and see how simple it is. If it's disturbing you, just take care of it and move on. It makes no difference at all. But this business of the feeling of peace can become an issue that seems different because we're talking about the peace of God, walking into the peace of God. We're talking about walking into a deep, profound relaxation that increases and increases and increases. And we suddenly look at our body and we realize it's not, not relaxed. It doesn't matter whether it's relaxed. The peace of God is not experienced in the body. So this does not have to be an issue. If you find you are not peaceful, meaning if your attention has gone to your body and you see that your body's in turmoil, let it be in turmoil. It's true that you may not have quite as deep an experience of the peace of God while your body's in turmoil, but you will have a much more profound experience of peace than you would if you tried to make your body stop feeling anxious or depressed or hateful or whatever else. If you get involved in that, you've now, you're now in a war. And there is no possibility of the peace of God. So you just look at your body and you say, oh, I'm talking to so-and-so on the phone, and as usual, uh, he's driving me at the wall, you see. <laughs> you just see that, and you see all the sensations that means that this person's driving me at the wall, and you just let that be. And you simply try to enter the peace of God. Try is a, is a word that has gotten a bad rep. There are two kinds of trying. There's this sort of nervous casting about trying. And then there's another trying, which is just pure simplicity. And that kind of trying is can just make life worth living. That one concept, well, for whatever reason, I don't seem to be at peace but I'll just try to be. Whatever reason, I don't seem to be comfortable, but I'll simply try to be. That moves us ahead so rapidly, it's just unbelievable. That very simple thing. You just let the world, you let whatever huge thing has come up be, and you just simply try, once again, to talk to your Father who is in heaven, knowing that the kingdom of heaven is within you. So that's all, all that we do. We just simply try. We just let the world go on its merry way. <clears throat> Concerning itself with great diseases and great tragedies and endless controversies. And, <clears throat> and we turn to God. Sensations while meditating. This is another one that comes up people on spiritual path. Probably most of the people in this room have, have had things like this happen. You sit down to meditate, and um, you may experience something like just a, a, a tingling all over your body. You may experience something like a total body orgasm. You may have out-of-the-body experiences. You may have uh, precognitions. <laughs> materializations, and all you may have all kinds of experiences. You may start seeing uh, spirits dancing all over everywhere. But for most of us, it's just uh, sort of a pleasant, 
tingling sensation or something like that, and maybe a sudden numbness of the body. Now, this can become another issue. Course in Miracles points out that if you are experiencing the peace of God in a pure and total sense, which most of us do not experience most of the time, and doesn't matter, because all we're interested in is just taking that step forward. It points out that if you were experiencing the peace of God in a pure and total sense, the body wouldn't feel anything. It wouldn't feel good and it wouldn't feel bad. And it wouldn't feel numb. It just wouldn't feel. Why? Because you wouldn't have your attention on it. It just wouldn't be in your thought. You wouldn't be thinking of it. But Edgar, the higher ego, will try to get you to deepen the experiences that your body is having. And I can promise you that this is a side road. It won't hurt, but it simply isn't. You're now going over and seeing what the dog's sniffing, if you do that. Because you've noticed that the dog is just jumping up and down with glee with what it's sniffing. And, you know, so now you stop your walk and you go over there. So just let your body do whatever it does. If it wants to uh, leave and become astral and hang glide off the sandias, let it. It doesn't make any difference. You go right ahead, fall deeper and deeper into God's love. You don't have to fight. You don't have to try to make the sensations go away. You don't have to deepen them. Just let them be. See, that's meditation. <laughs> Here's another one that comes up often people on a spiritual path. Now the manual talks about three levels of uh, contact with people. It refers to this in the section called Levels of Teaching. It's obvious that Course in Miracles isn't trying to present a system. So it will talk about three levels in one place, it'll talk about two in another, it'll talk about it's obvious that there's nothing, there's no system here, it's just pointing out something. So let's talk about levels of contact, because we've talked about great love relationships. Now, as sort of being this first circle of the outpouring of our love. Now there is, of course, these other kinds of encounters that we have with people at, for example, uh, social events. These uh, secret madmen or, you know, these bizarre somebodies that we get ca caught in the corner with some social event, you know. And here we are talking to this person and, uh, and we can't see the Christ in them. Now, we don't have to do mental gymnastics to try to see the Christ in this person. All that's necessary is that we enter the truth. That's all that's ever necessary. All that's necessary is that we fall back into the arms of God. So we do not have to try to love someone. We do not have to try to see the light of God in someone. And this can become just another issue. 
Now we've got another battle. Here's this person and we can't see the light of God in them. And so this has become a great big struggle. Remember that Edgar is always trying to get us to have some issue, any issue at all, because the greatest enemy of the ego is peace. Every time you have even the dimmest moment of peace, you have weakened your ego. And it is, a, it is a weakness from which it will never recover. You will be that much happier for the rest of your life because of this little bit of peace, no matter how dim it was. So at all costs, there must be an issue because we have set our ego up, this imaginary identity that we have, this shabby self-image that we have chosen to carry around. We've, we've set it up like we used to set up our imaginary playmates to defend itself so it defends itself because that's the way we set it up but it does everything it does only when we're interested in it because that's what produces it only our interest produces it so there is this sort of outer realm of contacts these sort of accidental meetings we don't have to get in big battles over these things many times we can't love these people at the moment. And it doesn't matter. Because we can sink into love. We don't have to say. Here's the body. I'm not loving it. We don't have to do that. We just we just be comfortable. We just be at peace. And as we, we talked about. Uh, recently. If you're under direct attack. It's okay to just. Withdraw from the attack. Give the person your. Silent blessing, withdraw from it. This is not a lack of love. This is a unwillingness to cooperate with their ego, to do a dance with their ego. And as we said before, you will often see a deep sigh of relief, which will evidence itself somehow on their conversation, on their face, that you didn't respond to their ego, that you didn't stay under attack, or try to justify it, or try to change their mind, or anything else. You simply let yourself withdraw because you're under attack. Other cases, you're not under attack and you're just there and you realize that you can be at peace and you just listen vaguely to the conversation. That's all. The conversation is crazy. There's a guy that uh, cornered me uh, uh, just recently and he was talking about, as so often people do, great diseases and how they were striking everyone down and this went on for a long time then he his mind turned to other great disasters like running out of water in New Mexico and so forth and so forth now we don't have to change the conversation we don't have to make the person start talking about something more spiritual they can't talk about anything spiritual. Because spirituality has nothing to do with what we talk about. It has to do with a comfort and a peace and a gentleness and a love and a reaching out and a warm embrace and a certainty. It has nothing to do with what we talk about. So we don't have to try to change the conversation. We can just participate in it. But likewise... We do not have to get involved with the past or the future aspect of the conversation. Because notice, 
that almost all conversations that take place in this, these sort of random, seemingly accidental uh, encounters that we have, have a future and a past aspect. So we don't get involved with the issue that's in the past or the issue that's in the future. We stay in the present, but we don't make ourselves talk about the present. Because to do this, to say, well, now there is no future, there is no past, and so I shouldn't talk about the future and the past. I should only talk about the present. And the guy says, do you know so-and-so? Well, he just was just fell down with the flu. And we say, isn't that a beautiful day? Uh, and then he said, I mean, all, all this is going to do... So, you know, to make ourselves talk about the present, thinking that this is some this is spiritual, it's just going to make the person feel separate. They're going to realize that, that we're operating under some system that they're not operating under. We don't want to do that to people. We don't want to do anything to make someone feel separate. That's where their pain's coming from, is they feel separate. But likewise, it doesn't do any good for us to get on a pure ego level with them. And get all caught up in this flu that's going around or whatever else that may be happening. We don't have to do that either. We remain in the present. We just talk to them about whatever they're talking to them. We love them. And we enjoy the arms of Jesus which are wrapped around us. That's all we do. Now, then there's another level of contacts in which there seems to be a, a sort of a heart connection. These are people that keep coming into our lives over and over. We feel some sort of heart connection with these people. And this includes the great love relationships. Now, of course, in Miracles points out that every relationship, every contact, which means every relationship, has the potential of becoming holy. But first we see this in certain immediate surroundings and then it sort of circles out like some beautiful ring of, of light just circles outward and outward. And the people with whom we feel this heart connection are people that we have already seen the light of God in. That's, it, this is not, there's nothing complicated about this. You know it. You know who you've seen the light of God in. So don't let this become another issue. <laughs> you just know the people you feel this heart connection with. That means you've already seen the light of God in them. So that means that you don't have to do the other thing that Edgar wants you to do, which is to say, oh, this person's not a body. The Course in Miracles says they're not a body. It says the body's not real. It says only the light of God. But I'm seeing them as a body. Well, maybe I shouldn't hug them. Because, you know, if they're a body, I bet, uh, what am I to do about this? I can't see the light of God. They're a body. The body's not real. This is always, Edgar is always, this is Edgar. Whenever you've gotten into one of these things, then that's simply an issue has been made out of nothing. So what do you do with these people that you have this heart connection? These people that you've seen the light of God in. You just love them the way you see them. That's all. Just that simple. Don't try to figure out 
uh, somehow to see the light of God in them. Just love them. Take them the way they are and love them. Just like the pet monkey or the flowers or the dog. or anything. Just love them. Cherish them the way they are. Don't get some metaphysical principle in there that makes the whole thing real complicated. So if you want to hug them, hug them. If you want to give them little gifts, give them little gifts. You want to take them out to lunch, take them out to lunch. <clears throat> Relationships. <laughs> Money. <laughs> See why this is a dispensable church? You have all knowledge when you walk out the door here. Of course, that's true because there's only one thing to learn. And that is, we need not have a care in this world. That's all we're learning. There's no care to have. Whatever care we've made in this world is an illusion. We don't need to have it. All we need to be is pleased as punch. Because that's the feeling, that's the entering, that's the opening to God, the only reality. The certainty of God is so vast that it includes every particle of dust that has ever blown across this globe throughout all time. It's a complete and absolute stillness that is pure joy. It is a reality that is here and now. This reality is the only time there is and the only place there is. To enter that is to do something. To have a care in the world is to do nothing but waste our time. It's not bad. It just is a waste of time. Money is one of the things like illness that the ego has created a huge charge around the subject. Here is the simple solution to all money problems. You got your pencils in hand? <laughs> Do whatever allows you to not think about it. Do whatever allows you to not Think about it. So, you do not have to, under some misguided ideal, think that you cannot get a job. It's not spiritual to get a job. Jesus sent them out without script. <clears throat> That's silly. It wasn't. That was these people. He was showing them something. So, if you're sitting there and the whole world seems to be coming down on top of you because you will not go out and get a job, what do you do? Get a job! See how simple it is? Doesn't make any difference. The Indians, the Hindus have a saying, make your living with your left foot. So just go ahead and get a job and do it with your left foot. It's not, granted, it isn't the kingdom of heaven. It's not the presence of God. But it's much better to go ahead and do that 
than it is to make this a huge, all-consuming issue where you can't turn to God, you see. Do whatever allows you to not think of it. So, how much do you tip in the restaurant? Whatever will give you peace. Just tip what you want to tip. Tip so that you don't leave the restaurant feeling uh, either guilty or like you're the now the greatest philanthropist who ever walked there, if you see, and you're going to be all consumed with this. Just, it, just make it simple. Do whatever allows you to not think of it. You don't, uh, uh, Jerry Jampolsky uh, is true, has canceled all of his insurance policies. That doesn't mean that this is spiritual. That's just his particular guidance. If it scares you, the thought of canceling all your insurance policies, if this doesn't bring you peace, he would be the first person to say, don't do that. So, get the insurance if you want the insurance. There's nothing, there's no right or wrong behavior here. So we simply do the thing that coats our life with this lovely settling oil. Like the oil that Mary Magdalene used. This beautiful oil that just settles the waters. The simplicity. bring up one last thing. Worthy activities. Now, this is another one of the little pitfalls of the ego. Now I've got to have a spiritual occupation. I should be doing counseling. <laughs> I should not be selling used cars. This is not right. I know that somewhere God has a spiritual activity for me. You see. Have I told you the story about the Red Cat uh, Grand Central Station? I haven't told this group here, have I? This is a true story. Um, it's back during the Depression. And there's a friend of mine that lives near here that knew this man very well. He'd lost everything that he had. And he took a job as a red camp in Grand Central Station. And he felt very badly about this. He didn't think he should be doing this kind of work. So he went to one of the great evangelists of that time. Which incidentally, they can be spiritual people. <laughs> it's possible. For that to, even fundamentalists and reborn Christians can actually be spiritual people. And this man said, uh, well, how many people do you see in a day? And he figured it out and so forth. He said, do you realize that you see more people than any man, woman, or child I have ever met? This can't be a coincidence. This is no accident. That you're seeing all these people, that you're having all these contacts. Don't you realize that you're just where God wants you to be? <clears throat> well, the man thought of his job completely differently from that point on. Now, what in fact happened was that people began coming to this man <clears throat> as an advisor. And eventually, the Southern Pacific had to set out a car on a sidetrack there at Grand Central Station 
just so this man will have a place to meet all the, the people who want This is actually what happened. It's actually a car set out there, and he would see these people, and he didn't have time any longer to carry bags. And Harvard invited him to speak. And my friend was there when he spoke at Harvard. And he said that this man was indeed a very, very simple man. He was not uh, well-educated in worldly terms. And that he gave a talk on forgiveness. And when he got through with the talk, a man stood up, a middle-aged man stood up in the audience during the question and answer period and said, I've heard all that you've had to say about forgiveness, but I'm in an advertising agency. And the policy in this type of business environment is that if you do not get the promotion, you're fired. And there is a job opening. And there are two younger men who are in position for this job, along with me. And I could stand here and I could tell you all the things that they have done to sabotage my chances of getting this job. But let me just say, I have tried and tried and tried and tried to forgive them. And I simply can't do it. What do you suggest I do? And this audience at Harvard became very still, waited for the answer. And the red cap said, increase the dose. That's how simple it is. So there are no worthy activities. And one of the things that your higher ego will do is it will try to get you involved in one more thing after another, after another, after another. This is spiritual. This is worthy. Take this up. Do this. Do this. And pretty soon you'll realize that you're involved in so many things that you are neglecting the only thing that makes any difference, and that is the peace of God. Because unless we bring the peace of God into any activity, even if it's sitting on the toilet, unless we've brought the peace of God into the activity, even if it's preparing dinner, we have done nothing. And so, step back if you don't have the peace of God. Now, this doesn't have to become another issue. You just step back if you don't have the peace of God until you feel a settling and a gentleness. Until you see with increased clarity your purpose. Because a general awakening of this world has begun. It is now taking place. It's very simple and it's very beautiful, but I can tell you there's just, the, the ego is just madly running around. It doesn't know what to do about this and there's all this commotion. There doesn't need to be any commotion because the awakening is simply the realization that only the peace of God matters. That's what blesses your brother and your sister. That's what protects your children. That's what protects your future. But the peace of God is the only thing that you want and that you need. And so think the thoughts that make you happy. 
Don't get in a battle with what thoughts you're thinking. Don't spend one second asking yourself, why have you been thinking along a, a certain line over the past several seconds? Do not pick up a single issue. Every time you find that your mind has gotten engaged in any question at all, drop it. There is no question. There's only truth. There's nothing to figure out. There's nothing to understand. There's only God. Just fall back in this lake of love and be happy. And your awakening process will be speeded up <clears throat> so quickly that you'll know that you're on the right track. The people around you won't see anything different. You'll look just the same. You'll just be going about your life. But you will be bringing them with you because you will really be reaching out to them. Now, this peace goes out like little fingers and blesses. So why don't we end by, let's all close your eyes and join hands. <clears throat> Let me just say a few words to you as you with your eyes closed. God is right here with you, right now. He knows you so well. He sees how far you've come. He remembers all the things that happened in your childhood. He knows all the little piles of dirt and sand you had to climb over, all the garbage that you had to wade through. He knows you so well. His arm is around you now. You know this deep in your heart. You now know this, that he is with you. You're going to come home. And he says to us all, only this. Be happy. Be happy now. Be comfortable. Be comfortable now. Let your heart sink. Allow yourself to have not a care in the world. And God bless us all. Thank you. Mm -hmm.